0: I don't know about you guys, but man, it's been a little bit of a struggle for me over the last month, uh, here and there, scratching out some fish, scratching out a couple of flounder the other day and a Dink Trout, or vice versa, I don't know, I just threw them all back. It's been a little bit of a struggle. We're going to get into that here on the Bite Me Podcast. I'm John Lopez. That is Captain Scott Null, as he always joins me, and our regular contributor, the one and only Captain Caleb from Captain Caleb TV, Caleb McCumber, joins us. we got a lot to cover. we got a lot to get into. Don't forget, uh, man, we're over 4,600 now, uh, subscribers, and we really, really appreciate that on the Bite Me Podcast group page. Uh, We love it. We appreciate it. We like talking fishing with you guys. And if you guys want to do it every week, just subscribe. And uh, you'll get an an immediate notice as soon as this podcast posts. Uh, Pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast, you can get the Bite Me podcast. And we'll post it on the website as well, on Facebook group page. That i just mentioned and uh, with that let's get rolling man because we're going to talk about when and how to drift fish i promised it last week scott and we never got to it <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> whoops whoops <laughs> uh so we'll lead off with that and then of course i have uh, some cold hard truths regarding winter fishing water clarity for big trout scattered uh, trout in colder months uh on and on and on we go but captain caleb i did want to just uh we're, we're not gonna uh, dwell on this but i know so many people Have reached out to you and uh, you've, you you know, uh, you've had, uh, a rough month, uh, a lot rougher than any of us. Uh, the last uh, month with uh, your father. Give us an update, and I know a lot of people uh, on the, the Bite Me group page and otherwise have been talking about uh, and responding to your post on your dad. I saw your your tattoo. What a great tribute that is. Just give us an update, and, and then we'll get into the blog because I know a lot of people are interested in you and how you're doing.
2: Yeah, it, it was the the love and the outreach was was overwhelming from um, the Bite Me page and <clears throat> YouTube and and all that good stuff uh you know my dad he he suffered some complications from covid and and, and passed away shortly after new year's and it, it it was a tough one but you know um we're just gonna keep going and and, and keep grinding like he had won us to he he was never a fisherman but almost all of my fisherman friends knew him he would show up at weigh-ins and mm-hmm. or come practice with me or, or whatever it was and he was a big supporter so now as far as i'm concerned he'll just get to see us do more fishing
0: and, yeah, that's a great way to put it. And Scott, I know uh, you knew Rick McCumber very well. Uh, describe it and, uh, and describe him and uh, the legacy he left. Of course, he left us with Captain Caleb McCumber and a lot more
1: than just that, of course. And one of the things Caleb and I have talked about over the last couple of weeks here, how much his dad helped people and was just an open book about helping people. And that went from his rodeo days and his you know rough stock days and all that roping, everything, but uh, to give you an example, I I knew him a little bit. Yeah, you know, I've met him and we talked a few times, but we ended up becoming pretty good friends on Facebook, mm-hmm. and we chatted quite often. He gave me some stories, and uh, but he was a ammunition really, also yeah, known as ammunition, yeah, ammunition. ammunition. every story. <laughs> <laughs> stories ammunition whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but uh, he he and I were going to get together, and uh, I'm into art. You know, with my photography, and I've always been into art and drawing and things. And he was a fantastic artist. Uh, if you don't know, go look at his, ske- his sculptures right, and right. stuff. Uh, and we were going to spend some time this summer together and do. He was going to show me the ropes of how to do bronzes. Oh wow! And we'd been talking about it for a while. Wow! And uh, I, don't, you know, miss out on that. Yeah, you know, I think that would have been a hell of a lot of fun to sit down with him, and learn that.
2: Yeah, that's what he did full time. He was a he was a, a sculptor and. Had quite a big name at it, uh, and his, his website. We'll, we'll plug him one last time is rickmccumber.com com. <laughs> and his his bronzes are still available. Uh, that's one thing that I'm carrying forward and using to help you know get my mom through all of sure, this. And for sure. a long time
0: she's still going to be with us. Good deal. Uh, so I didn't want to uh, let the podcast go by without uh, at least uh, mentioning that. Uh, but let's let's uh, dig in. Uh, we didn't get to this last uh, week, but part of that is is, is a good news because we, we get into our conversations pretty strong, and we get a lot of questions and texts from uh, listeners. Um, drift fishing is something very easy to do, but there, are, there can be some tricks and techniques that make it better uh, for you. And I think a lot of people just say, well, I think I'll stop here, and let's see what
1: we catch. There's a guide over there. I think I'll drift right here. Well, that
0: too, that too. But let me start with you, uh, Scott, because I'm not going to say I've never done that. Because you, sometimes you just raise your hands, you know, throw your hands up, and you're like, "Well, crap, I guess I'll just drift right here," yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> but uh, but when you're when you're when you're strategizing, as they say, um, there are techniques to drift fishing. And and Caleb, feel free to just mix it in, and I'll sit back because you two guys have done this a lot at various points in your career, you know
1: strategy uh with with drift fishing well it depends on what you're trying to accomplish too <clears throat> uh, i used to drift fish a whole lot down in lower laguna madre mm-hmm. and i would get in an area that had a lot of potholes because the fish were always right around the edge of the potholes and so we would set it up we didn't have trolling motors back then with it so we try to get set up where we could drift downwind mm-hmm. over as many potholes as possible and get get the right drift line set uh, did a lot of drifting in east bay and in, in galveston and that was all about just knowing where the reefs were and trying to get set up to drift over the reef and doing it slow enough you know put out enough um drift anchors mm-hmm. to make it slow enough where you can keep up with your lure and keep contact with it uh down in lower laguna i mean there was days we'd put out two and three you mm-hmm. know dean's famous you know for it's a five sack day <laughs> yeah. and uh I never put out five <laughs> on my own boat, but uh, I have done three. And there's times when that's necessary. What happens is you start drifting so dead gum fast when that winds up twenty twenty five, mm-hmm. you just drift right over all the fish. Yeah, and you, you're not maintaining contact with your lure. <laughs> and if you're throwing popping cork with shrimp, you got so much slack in it. Every time that cork goes under, yeah, yeah I I did that a lot when I was younger. <laughs> The cork goes under, and you're reeling for you know two or three seconds mm-hmm. before you can ever even feel it. Uh, so you just got to be able to slow yourself down, and that's that's the biggest strategy to it is lining up your drift where you're going to cross something that you feel like would hold fish, whether it's a drop off or a reef or potholes or whatever it is, and then going slow enough to work
0: okay. it. Caleb, uh, I want your thoughts on that, uh, but it, it just to to kind of get you started. I probably use my my numbers my marks on my GPS more when I'm drifting than any other type of fishing I do because I first of all I already know the shorelines and such but the numbers come in handy because they're marking especially in the middle coast where I fish a lot you know lower coast you see the grass you see the potholes hey let's let's drift on East Matagorda Bay West Matagorda Bay a lot of times you don't you don't see anything so you have to you rely on whether it's shell you've marked or or whatever it is that you've marked, you know, sand and, and shell mix or whatever. Would you agree with that? And, and what is your like quote strategy to drift?
2: Oh, I would, I would agree wholeheartedly. The, my GPS is covered with, with numbers. And mm-hmm. it may be one of those numbers might be uh, a reef the size of an office desk, mm-hmm. you know, but it's covered in it. And Pat and I both, we do a lot of, of lining up on those numbers and, with our boats, we they don't drift perfectly straight, so it, it takes quite a bit of... Mm-hmm. Uh, Manipulating, tri- tri- yeah. I was going to say trigonometry, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not even sure what trigonometry actually is. We'll go but, with that. But yeah, no, definitely. Trigonometry. So, yeah. yeah, trigonometry. So even whenever you're out drifting, what we've been... I'm going to circle right back around to this, but we've been out um, drifting color streaks. That's been... About the only way we would catch fish for the past ten days is if the bay would streak up and give us color streaks. So while you're out targeting those color streaks, and you're fishing along, and and I most of the time out of the boat, I'm throwing a quarter ounce jig head, mm-hmm. so I'm getting down. And when I start hanging up to shell, whenever I get over where I hung that hung up that shell, I'm marking it on my GPS. And so that's led to over the years mm-hmm. that I have marks all over that bay, and and it's and it's because of that. If I put my power poles down at crunch, I mark it there, yeah. and these are places that I can come back to and check on a you know a fairly regular basis when I am out there drifting. There's no color streaks, yeah. you know, maybe the bait's not telling me much, but now I have some structure that I can go look for.
0: Yeah, no, I, and I totally I've done the same thing, and I agree. Now, as far as you know, what, what we're doing right now, and by the way, at the end of the show, it's become a very Popular uh, segment. We will do what would Scott do and add what would Caleb do for this coming weekend because I I, I started the show with it. it. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, we're, we're completely honest on this show. I've struggled lately, man. I mean, I have struggled. You,
2: you want to know what Caleb did? For, for, is gonna do for this weekend? <laughs> what was that he canceled his trips? Yeah, <laughs> that's what Caleb did.
0: It's been bad. <laughs>
2: it it fishing. now.
0: I know we have listeners on the lower coast and they're gonna say, No, man, I've been killing him. I'm talking about. Our experience from mid lower where Scott is in Port Lavoc, I mean, excuse me, in Port O'Connor, all the way through Port Lavoc, all the way up here up to the
1: upper coast, it's been a struggle. I've I been, was doing fine. Were you? Yeah. Red, but you're sidecasting redfish. Sidecasting reds. We it's were kind of hard fine. to do with the wind and rain, though. No, I was out there on the good days. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go on those wind and rain days. It's so not stupid. I'll
2: go back to an argument me and Scott have all the time. Mm-hmm. I had a customer on Sunday, it was high pressure. We casted at probably about 100 redfish, and not they wouldn't even spook from the lure. They just ran it over, and the customer goes, this dang high pressure, I said, call Scott Knoll. Yeah. It matters. I'm with you on
1: that one. And that same day- You were catching? We were catching them.
2: (laughs) He found a cloud of them. They looked like minnows, he said.
1: I mean, literally thousands of redfish were circling the boat for three hours, and we had a blast. I mean, we had a great time. Yeah. And- um,
2: they open their mouth, they get a breath that thick, they're going to suck a fly in. in.
1: But I think the whole key to it was we were using smaller flies. We started off with a bigger fly. We weren't doing any good. We got some refusals. Mm -hmm. I mean, looking at 1,000 fish and throwing it into the middle of them, you're thinking, okay. But it was like at the fishing show with those damn little trout. I mean, you throw it in the middle of them, and they'd move, and they'd get out of the way. We went smaller and smaller. Like I always say, go smaller. Mm -hmm. We went tiny, and that's the flies that they start eating. Well, and I, I th- th- we caught plenty then.
2: I think that something else that plays into that is uh, myself and my guy, we were throwing at singles and doubles. And then whenever there's a big group of fish, then maybe you get some of that competition mentality. There wasn't in them.
1: really any of that. Yeah. These fish were lazy. Really? They were super lazy to the point that when we first hooked up, I thought, okay, well, it's going to blow it. You know the, you know how it is. Right. When you got a big school and one hooks up in the middle of it, they all take off. These fish just kind of moved out of the way. Let him go, and then let him go, <laughs> and then two or three of them would follow he'll him back, be back to the boat. I think he'll be back. Yeah, <laughs> but then two or three would break off and follow him all the way to the boat. I'm talking like I could reach down and touch them. Mm-hmm. They were following him to the boat so close, and then they just slowly swim back to the group. And I'd jump up on the platform while the guys were taking and you're pictures. Just right away. And I'm watching where the school went. And I just turned the boat around, and okay, we're ready to cast again. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even moving.
0: We're going to get back to that because you you have a really good post. Uh, I don't know if you posted it yet or not. Coming up with the cold hard truths of uh, of winter fishing, so we'll get back to that. But back to the drifting aspect, I, I said it's been a struggle because that's what I was. I found myself doing. I was looking for the color streaks. You know me. I love color streaks. I just I, I just always try to fish them, especially if there's you know clear water to darker water or murkier water, or whatever. But um, use the numbers on your GPS. Mark numbers, even if you're uh, just not catching a darn thing but as you said you you know you're on some shell you know when you're some changes from shell to sand or whatever do that what are some other things that you are looking at cuz th- th- for most of us we look at the bay and we just see water you know but what what else could be your signs uh, to get a good drift going
2: well uh, aside aside from the color streaks or marks you already have then you know bait obviously i watch my i watch my depth finder quite a bit if in and, and uh, Uh, granted i don't have to in east matagorda anymore Mm -hmm. but if i'm in a bay i don't know and i see myself drifting and i'm coming up on humps you know anything like that that's where you know just differences if we can find a deeper spot or or a a higher spot but uh, right now it's bait it's watercolor um of course the, the marks help us hone in on that kind of whatnot but i i'm drifting into some really weird areas of the bay just because i have a color streak there Mm -hmm. and and like you said you know fishing has been fire the past week and a half a great big dumpster fire (laughs) and and yesterday we went out the water was 70 degrees there was so much bait that whenever i started my motor a half acre around me would blow up It, it was the perfect green it was everything you wanted. And it just, the the fish just aren't responding to it. They aren't doing what they typically do. So tomorrow Those I have customers. Yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> so tomorrow I have customers, and it's supposed to be blowing about twenty five out of the north. And I know it's going to tear that bay up. And I honestly think I'm going to be able to catch more fish tomorrow in awful conditions than we have in the in the lesser conditions. But that's what I'm out there for. I'm going out there, and what I'm going to be keying on tomorrow, one hundred percent, is our color streaks in the water. That, you know, that's, Scott. Uh, and, I've Go noticed, ahead. I'm sorry, I've noticed that a lot of the color streaks that we've been successful with for the past two or three weeks, there's is a color streak paired with bait in that color streak.
0: Yeah. When, uh, I was thinking of Scott this weekend because uh, it, it's something that he he always talks about when the water has been out. That's the other thing. The water has been so low, consistently low. Uh, all over up and down the i'm seeing pictures from all over where the water's just out but i was drifting you know i would look at the shoreline scott and i would see maybe some shell that jutted out in one area more than the other areas and i just kind of went extended that and drifted down that that where where it figured the shell would continue Mm -hmm. so i just drifted more there and that's actually one of the few places i actually did catch a couple of flounder uh, but but those are the other things you can do is just look at the shoreline and then drift out from from things like that
1: yeah depending on wind direction what you can do mm-hmm. uh, yeah I've got some places where I'm at that I uh, the lagoon show water and the lagoon I like drifting them but I have to have the right wind if I've got a south wind it's just going to blow me straight across that thing mm-hmm. and it's just a little short drift you know it's only you know 100 to 150 yards right. at the most but if I catch a good east southeast, it'll blow me right up the middle of it, and then I can I can get on one shoreline, drift that shoreline, mm-hmm. get on the next, you know, go out in the middle, and drift that. Uh, it, that's a big part of how you set up too, you know, as far as fishing some of these back lakes. Uh, but anything that you can see that you can key off of on the shoreline, mm-hmm. uh, a grassy point that's sticking out, a cut that's going out through there, anything like that, if you can drift across it and be slow you ready with your power pole too this time. Oh, of day. yeah, that's a big yeah. deal for me. Uh, when I'd be drifting, as soon as you'd hit hit a fish, go ahead and power pole down because you don't know now how you're big my that language. school now is. Now you're talking my language.
2: Yeah, and that's another thing you're talking about the drift socks. When when you put them out, you can fish an area more thoroughly, and then if you do get into school, you have a chance to catch multiple. But Pat and I were running in that yesterday, where uh, at one point the boat was tripled up because there was a there was a group in front of us and. Um, pat had a big redfish our customer had a decent redfish i had a trout that i was no four and a half five pounds or so Mm. and we got excited with all of that and drifted right through them and then at the after we passed them, we were kicking ourselves in the butt because
1: somebody somebody has to push the button well and on top of that i think
2: pat caught a trout that was five and a half or so but whenever we've we've I missed that one. <laughs> our, our, our experience has been that whenever you find the the five and a half pound trout mixed with the the mid to maybe not quite upper slot, but the mid slot redfish, mm-hmm. that your chance of finding a big trout is is better with that group of fish around. So, and but again, we thought we'd keep drifting and it would just get better and better and and. And, and and it it didn't the the wind was a huge factor yesterday and again I think Windfinder says it's supposed to blow 25 out of the south and then <laughs> turn around and 25 out of the north and uh, about 70 percent of the day yesterday the water was flat glass all day long 22
1: gusting to 35
2: yeah yeah uh, and and so then um, but when the wind would blow seven eight nine ten miles an hour and we could yeah. drift we would catch fish but no. whenever it whenever it flattened out it got it got real tough again
0: it's something man. it's something everybody can do and it's it's easy to do but you know, kind of put, put some of the odds in your favor. I want to talk about something that, that you, uh, have you posted the cold hard truths yet?
2: No, that's a video that I'm going to do this week. And the title of it is going to be cold, hard truth.
0: Uh, and that is about winter fishing, which is, uh, we're in, we're in the midst of that right now. So, uh, give us a teaser. What is the cold hard truth? And then I want to get Scott's reaction.
2: Well, I think what we're going to touch on is the fact that, you know, you, you listen to bite me, you watch my YouTube channel, you watch all this stuff and, and, You get the perception that we just go out and smoke them every day and (laughs) i mean yeah right Uh, i think it's been a while back and we were doing one of these podcasts and scott made the comment he goes you know if caleb wanted to you go out and catch a limb of trout every day and i flinched as i I can (laughs) yeah uh i can uh but that you know we're going to talk about the realities of of winter fishing i think that
1: was time of year more than yeah yeah okay yeah not 365
2: (laughs) yeah 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 uh, mid-november i could probably do it but, but that's what we're going to touch on is like the actual realities of this because I don't want people to feel like they, they listen to, to listen to the show and, and watch my show and, and, and then they go out and apply all these things and have a hard time.'ve I've, I've, I've had some unique customers in the past eight or ten trips and many of them have, have they made the comment that um, they thought it was them. But I've sat there and watched them fish all day long. They're making yeah. the right moves. They're doing the right things. It's just, it's just winter fishing. That's how it yeah. is. And so we're going to expand
0: on that. I, uh, Scott, I want to get your thoughts on, on that that, the cold hard truth. But I told, uh, I mentioned this on a previous podcast. I, I had uh, our program director, who you you met one of the days that I had him out there. I've had him out twice. And it was brutal. Oh yeah! And I told him, I promise, I promise, it's not all BS. <laughs> that,
2: that's whenever Pat and I walked so far from our boat trying to find a fish, you had to come pick us up and take yeah. us back to he our called, boat. He
0: called the water taxi. I did.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I yelled at Pat. I said, I said, hey, I think Lopez is out here. And Pat goes, really? I said, I'm going to call him and tell him to come pick us up. And mm-hmm. Pat goes, that would be awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and of course. Uh, I got there and uh, and I figured I'd just open a new business. It's uh, the Uber. It's the waiter
1: Uber. Waiter's Uber. <laughs> Can't catch
0: fish. <laughs> if I, Transport the fishermen. If yep. I'm having a rough day, I'll pick up the waiters and take them back to their boat. Uh, but, but you're right. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously you two guys are, are, are the best that I know. Patrick Gardner is one of the best I know as well. And we all have our, our, our tough days. But what is your cold, hard truth about winter fishing,
1: Scott? Uh, it's what i've told several customers over the last couple weeks uh we're going to either hero or zero Mm -hmm. and i don't know what it's going to be from one day to the next honestly i know that i know where i found fish yesterday yeah i don't know if they're going to be there today uh the weather's changing so fast you know like caleb said we're getting hard south wind we get a hard north wind uh temperature drops temperature rises i mean there's so much going on with the weather and it's moving these fish around quite a bit. The tides are dropping way out, you know, mm-hmm. like you've seen over the last few weeks. But then all of a sudden you get that strong south and pushes a lot of water up, scatters the fish again. Uh, so that's that's why I say when I leave the dock with them, mm-hmm. I perf- I'm brutally honest with my people. Yeah, yeah, you know, I tell them. I said I had some guys that just called me last minute. The ones that we when we found all those redfish. And he said, "What do you think our odds are this afternoon?" I said, "I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea." Yeah. And uh, it was an afternoon trip. They were duck hunted in the morning, and they wanted to go fish for a little while. And I said, "I got an idea. I don't know if it's going to work, but I've got an idea." The first five hundred yards, six hundred yards, maybe a thousand yards of shoreline we pulled, we did not see a fish. Man, nothing. I mean, not a sheep's head, not a mullet, nothing. I'm just on this white sand looking around going, uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's that zero that I yeah. was talking it's about. time to start telling some funny stories. And then I saw some bait, yeah. and there was a little bit of flickers of bait up up a little bit tighter to the shoreline where I didn't think it was deep enough for the fish. Mm-hmm. I moved up there, and lo and behold, all these redfish. And that was one thing, when you were talking about the size of the fish mixed in, these fish were anywhere from 9 inches to 27 inches. Mm. It Hmm. was crazy. I've I've never seen a school of redfish look like this. It would be five or six little bitty ones swimming together next to a really big one, and I've never seen that. It was it was a really strange afternoon.
2: Yeah, usually usually they're pretty close in size, Mm -hmm. and and I kind of had the you know January, like I said, the last week has been tough. We caught some fish yesterday. We caught some fish last Monday. So from Tuesday until Sunday, it was it was brutal. I mean, I'm talking one to two fish days um before that i was having it was an every other day pattern every mm-hmm. other day i would smoke them mm-hmm. but the days in between doing you know similar stuff but i feel like in texas you don't really get winter until january december is kind of extended fall around yeah. here
0: you get those 70 degree days right and, yeah.
2: so yeah you know we'll have we'll have the the tidal drop then it will drop lower and come back a little bit and drop lower than that and then come back and you have west wind east wind north wind south wind You know, water temperatures, the water temperatures were, you know, low 50s. And the tide was two foot out no. yesterday. We were on a normal summer tide, and the and the and the, the water temperature was seventy. <laughs> and I mean, it's just the time of year that there the and and this year more more so than any of them that I can remember really is the pattern hasn't really established itself there. Ha- nothing that hasn't gotten to the point where uh, I, I th- I'll go back to twenty seventeen. There was mm-hmm. a group of fish that were behind a certain reef, and after four days after every cold front on the end of an outgoing tide you could go catch eight pound trout mm. just guaranteed it was going to happen they, they, they were there for two and a half months yeah well, that's this hasn't happened this
1: year It, it it's, it's i can't year. really recall having 70 something degree water temperatures in no. january no yeah. and, and that's happened twice now we had it the first week of january and then we've had it this week right in between it was like you said 58 yeah that that's such wild swings i mean it, it it just doesn't happen. And I think it's got our fish all screwed up.
0: Well, it does. And, and you know, this whole show is going to be, be kind of dedicated. You know, we like to do it in in a timely way, uh, you know, with, with what's going on in our worlds. And, and I know for, for sure our listeners' worlds. We're talking about winter fishing. Um, this is kind of the the time when, when we talk about, well, then what? What is the answer? I mean, you guys are, you know, you you do it. You do it every day. Uh, and and you have have kind of been not flailing, but you've been going up and down on different days. So, what do you tell our listeners? I mean, you're, you're out there on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if you're you know Sunday, whatever it is, uh, as a recreational fisher, as a bite me listener. I I've told them, and maybe this is just dead wrong. I, I've always said this to, to whoever's on my boat or whatever, Caleb. It's just gas. I mean, let, 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 let's burn a little, and, and let's see if anything changes. I've covered that whole bay. I mean, it's not highly recommended all the time because if you're running a lot, you know, you're not fishing a lot, but I've burned some gas. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are. Uh,
2: you know, Pat, Pat, we were running Pat'sville yesterday. He made the same comment. We were way west. The wind died. We, the, the drifting died. And Pat Pat said, it's only gas. We ran all the way to the east end yeah. and, you know, tried to wait over there some. Um, I think that if you're a Bite Me listener, uh you're already you already of the mindset that you're here to get better so whether you go out and the fish are biting or not if you go learn some new structure or maybe you know when you're out there a certain set of conditions happen and you learn hey this part of my bay streaks up and does this with these conditions happening then you've still you've actually done better than catch fish you've set yourself up to catch fish you know 10 20 more Not times just that day right yeah. you didn't just go catch fish that day if, if you just go drift one spot and catch 30 fish you caught some fish great um you probably didn't learn a whole lot mm-hmm. so those those tough days those are what makes you a better fisherman in my opinion
1: scott you're, you're saying that you say that all the time yeah. I and mean, it's how you become what you are uh, if you're having a hard time go exploring mm-hmm. go look around uh hell i found a new spot last friday i found a new little lake i've never pulled into it i've been by it mm-hmm. but we weren't catching any fish we were moving down the shoreline right where i'd had all those other fish right before that and we're working our way through there and everything's looking pretty good I you know and baits there no redfish yeah and water was up just about another six inches higher than it had been and so I scooted off into this little back lake that I've never been in before. It was
0: loaded up with redfish. That's news right there. I mean, that didn't have a,
1: That there was a back lake you hadn't been in. Yeah, I mean, well, it was more down towards Caleb's direction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, so I, I don't know. I just I've been by it. Mm-hmm. I've pulled the outside of it, but I'm usually catching fish outside of it. Yeah. So I've never bothered going in. Uh, this day it was. You know, I was struggling a little bit, so I went exploring. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. I mean, we spent two hours in this small lake, going in circles chasing redfish. <laughs>
2: I call that spot Redfish Lake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just the name you gave it?
2: I, 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 I had, it's been a long time ago whenever I, I actually waded into it and, uh, it was loaded. Oh, yeah? It was loaded. <laughs> I'll never wade into it again, though. That was the most miserable that's way to. mine. That's not a good wade. It, it was funny. The first, oh, it is terrible. And it's like this this loamy, sandy mud, and the grass is in it real thick. So when you try to take the next step, you hang, I mean, you can't even take long steps in it. Yeah. And, but I, well, the first time I ever waded in it, I went back to the back of it, and um, there, was a, there was a castaway fishing rod, and it was turned upside down and shoved into the mud like a stake. <laughs> and I looked at that, and as I'm helping a pup and puffing, trying to get through this thing, I thought this guy didn't want to carry his is rod Is a
1: grave? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that, was that <laughs> this was it. This is far it's as it's like you
0: Put a helmet on it. You <laughs> know, put a waiting belt. Put, put one of those Wade right, my buddy uh, Tim's Wade right waiting belts on there, like they uh, used to do in World War II. <laughs> just <right>. marking? <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: that's why I pull. Yeah. That, you know?
2: uh, no. No. If I go back, it'll be on your skin.
1: I, I've Gotten a little wiser with my age. I used to wade like that too. I don't do that anymore. It's 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 a love-hate relationship, man. <laughs> I mean,
0: uh, it's more hate than
1: love at this point in my life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I got no reason to get out of the boat and go wait. Yeah. I can I can push my boat through there. It,
2: it's funny how much, you know, Scott being from Port O'Connor and me being from Matagorda, how much we uh, cross-contaminate, I guess, if you will. Because mm-hmm. Scott called me and he's telling me about all these fish. And I said, well, man, you know what? There's a spot right down here that I really like to go and I like to sight cast at. And Scott goes, oh, yeah, that's where I was at and then he starts talking about this lake and and i was like well does it have this there does it have that there And guy's like yep 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 i was like oh yeah that's a good one too you know <laughs> we're we're two and a half hours away from each other by truck an hour by boat but we're still you know bumping in each other but see I- what
0: y'all are talking about is what scott and, and you just mentioned you've learned all these things on bad days in the winter probably oh yeah you know
1: <laughs> yeah, i mean that's how i, I learned green so well yeah. i mean from duck hunting it as a kid beginning but then once i started polling it uh we got a mutual friend Thomas Barlow mm-hmm. he got into Poland Skiffs after well after I had you know I'd been doing it for several years he buys a Poland Skiff and then he kept calling me hey man I found this new lake I said really uh-huh. they dug a new lake it's not that new <laughs> <laughs> and he's like no no you've never been to this one." Oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. I have. and he, I'd start describing it to him yeah. and he goes damn I gotta go look for another one. Gotta yeah. go find another <laughs> new leg. So
2: speaking of Thomas, did it have five hundred hammers in it? That, that oh yeah, of course. But only Thomas can catch them.
0: Yeah,
2: no. <laughs> yeah. I guess it was Thomas. Twenty-six that,
1: inch, nine pounders Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the hammer.
0: Turns out we do know the same guy. You know, I mentioned uh, our buddy Tim and Jason over at uh, uh, Wade Wright and, and the waiting belts. I like the Mad and the big belt. I he took care of us. This is for our listeners. So so this is this is really really cool. He sent this to me. He Goes, man, you guys. Uh, you know, I'm, he's a member of the of the the Facebook page, so he's got this bite me combo uh, that's going to be on their website, uh, coastalfishinggear.com. dot com, and it, it, it's it's all kinds of cool stuff uh, with the belt and the back support, the rod tube, large box, small box, blah blah blah. But it's it's a pretty big, uh, it's like a hundred and ninety dollar value, and for our listeners, he's doing it for like one forty nine ninety nine. I got to mention that, because that's, I mean, we try to help our fishermen, uh, our listeners, uh, definitely want to help them with that. And so I I did want to mention that before we get to the next topic, because that's a cool deal just for our listeners. And of course, um, if you see a ice blue, beautiful, brand new Freedom Warrior, on East Matagorda Bay, and you need a ride back to your boat after you're waiting. Uh, thanks to uh, the <laughs> Let's boat, just yard. put your phone number out. I'm gonna put my giant numbers on the side. Uh, waiting Uber uh, on my boat. I think
2: uh, it could be a booming business,
0: dude. <laughs> especially the days like lately mm-hmm. when I'm like, what else am I gonna do? I'll go pick up some waiters, <laughs> some old bite me listeners. But uh, thanks to Chet and the boat yard, I, I've got a new Uber business on the water for to pick up your, your waiters. That was fun though, because I was with. with with uh, our program director and i was just like seriously dude i know how to fish and we're just i caught one i think red one or two i don't know whatever it wasn't much and and then you call him like let's go do something <laughs> let's go do something <laughs> different and of course he loved seeing you and patrick and and he's never weighed fish so y'all are piling into my boat and he's like that's so cool <laughs> we were very
2: happy to see him Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, I wasn't going to bring this up, but in the spirit of the conversation we've been having, you did find a new reef on a tough day.
0: Oh, yeah, I I did, but that was your fault. It was our fault. (laughs) That was
2: was your fault. (laughs) We we let you walk right into it.
0: No, so, uh, obviously we're in skinny, skinny water, and you go, well, go around that way. (laughs) I was like, all right, like an idiot. (laughs) And crack. (laughs) Uh, So here comes Patrick. He goes, ah, you'll be all right. So he just pushed me out.
2: I looked at Pat and said, oops.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. We've all been there all right so uh again this is a, a winter fishing uh podcast we got some more to cover here today uh water clarity you've mentioned streaks um I, i've you mentioned the color of the water and i was out there sunday when i was the the, the trip i was just talking about it was gorgeous man i mean it was just freaking mm-hmm. gorgeous water and i'm like i happen to be by myself that on sunday uh i didn't even go out saturday because it was blowing so bad and nasty um and I'm like, man, I'm okay. I'm finally gonna solve it again. I'm gonna learn how to fish again, again. I think it was one flounder and two trout, maybe two. Whatever. I was just, what's going on here? So, water clarity. Does water clarity matter? Is for big trout? Was the question. Your answer.
2: Uh, I, it, it's it's a multi-answer question. Yeah. and in, in East Matagorda, I like a kind of an off color green it, if i'm way deep in the water i want to be able to see my knees but not my feet yeah but whenever you get into a grassier bay you know west matagorda mansfield rockport then it can be crystal clear but you can still catch fish in it i don't like clear water in matagorda because there's no grass or anything for an ambush predator to hide in therefore the the odds of that predator being there aren't as good
1: we well, you just run into it in west Galveston bay all the time in the wintertime, this time of year, it would get so clear that we'd be drifting and looking down at the bottom, mm-hmm. you know, in four or five, six feet of water and looking at the bottom. That's Galveston, folks. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't happen there. I think what it and we couldn't catch fish until we'd run into a dirty streak. We find a dirty streak, we're going to catch some fish. Yeah. I think it has to do with whatever those fish are used to. I mean, Port Mansfield fish grow up in gin clear water, mm-hmm. they're used to that water gets dirty, they might have a hard time feeding because yeah. they're they're relying more on their sight, whereas Galveston fish are relying more on feel.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, They, they kind of have to. Uh, I think that's a bigger part of where you are on the coast, what's your typical water look like on a decent day. If you can find that color water, you're going to do better. And you mentioned nutrients all
0: the time in Galveston Bay, and, and you guys know I fished. I grew up fishing, so I wasn't really an expert. I was just fishing with my dad in Port Ranzas and down the lower coast, as a, as a fisherman taking it seriously, seriously, you know, uh, I, I did East Matagorda for several years. Then I went up to Trinity for several years. Then I went up to Sabine for several years. And now I'm back in East Matagorda. So from the mid-coast up, I've I've always preferred almost, not dirty water. Trout green. But, but yeah. very nutrient-rich water. If I think back in my mind's eye, biggest trout I've ever caught, they've all been in that kind of, you can almost see the particles floating in the water in it and it's kind of hard to see even your knees if you're waiting
2: right I mean, and, and they're ambush predators that yeah. uh, I I don't think a lion is going to walk up in broad daylight and try to try to you know get an impala and I think it's the same thing and then you know those clear water fish they they have the grass they, they tell you hammer the edge of the potholes well those fish are on the edge of those potholes ambushing things mm-hmm. so a hundred percent especially and, and that that's Part of what's kind of killed us the past um, before this wind came back was that the water on the shorelines was just gin clear and, and when, when you get out and jump in your belly button deep and you can see if your shoes are untied or not, well then you know it's just it's just bad news on the
1: middle coast. Yeah, one thing I didn't tell you, I, I did see a bunch of big trout up shallow. Of course you did. <laughs> we couldn't catch them. I mean, they were because spooky it was high as hell. Pressure. No, they were spooky as hell. <laughs> I mean, as, as soon as they'd see us, man, they were scooting. But there was. I'm not I'm not talking about 30 inches right but there was some good solid five pounder fish up in six inches to 12 inches of water
2: I'm glad I knew where you were at it was, uh, it was pretty you know. cool yeah, yeah that that's a little hint yeah you know, just, just
1: go when it's not high pressure that's it if, <laughs> uh, if it had been
2: high pressure you'd have caught some big trout Scott
1: I doubt that <laughs> I actually had a
0: listener. Uh, I don't know if it was a message or they posted it on the Facebook page. I talked about all that stuff that, especially in the summertime, mm-hmm. when you see the little webs catching onto your line or your rod. I just just have a sandwich because you ain't gonna catch anything. And he's like, dude, I never noticed that before, and and you were one hundred percent right. Uh, that stuff matters when, especially in the spring and summer, when you see that stuff—the
1: little whatever
0: they are. What are
1: they?
2: It's 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 spider web.
1: Yeah, it's spiders uh, when they. I call them webs. Yeah, when they reproduce, and all mm-hmm. the little baby spiders make these little parachutes. Yeah, that's how they scatter. And if the pressure is enough for that to start sticking
0: on your rod, it, pu- it pushes it down. It pushes right, it down out the of the pressure. atmosphere. That's yeah. the pressure. Don't even, you ain't, ain't going to catch. <laughs> it's going to be very hard.
2: We've, we've had we, I have Bite Me listeners on the boat pretty regularly. and um, we, we saw some webs this week, and that's the first thing they brought up. You know what followed the webs? Uh, I've never had this happen. I, I want to see if Scott has. I was in a back lake fishing two or three days ago, and I look around, and there's these flying ants stuck to my arm. And I thought hmm. to myself, you know, we'll be we'll have a symbiotic relationship, Mister Ant. I'm gonna <laughs> let you, and, and I'm wearing long sleeves, and you know, yeah. col- I was like, I'm gonna let you sit on my arms, and I'm gonna give you a place to rest, and you're just gonna sit on my arms, and leave me alone. As long as we do that, we're good. And a herd of those things hit me; they went <laughs> down my shirt, and they're, they bite like yellow jackets. Yeah. I mean, I had to quit fishing. That I was, much. It was abs. I thought I was gonna have anaphylactic shot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was about to have to tell three customers we got to go home, yeah. man. Have you ever had a a flying ant swarm get you? No, me either. Until (laughs) until Friday. No, terrible. Hey, when they start flying on your arm, you knock them off.
1: I, mm-hmm. I did get hit by it's a summertime thing getting those damn little horse flies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got bit by one of those the other day. Those do it. Me. went up my pants leg and got me on the calf inside my pants. <laughs> oh, my God. It fired me up. I was I was <laughs> landing a fish for a guy and I'm leaning over the side of the boat and I got both hands full. And I mean, all of a sudden my calf is on fire. Man, those, those things are, those things did, are no it is, joke. It's
2: nicer when Charlie's licking it. <laughs> yeah, did, did some slapping. <laughs>
0: All right, so uh, okay, so we, we we've covered all that stuff. Another good question um, from a listener is about you. Always hear people talking about scattered trout, which I think is a lot of times guides guides speak. You know, oh, there's because they don't want to tell you a whole lot. You know about what's what's going on, but trout do scatter, uh, especially in these months. I I sent you a link, Caleb, and, and I know it has to do with more uh, upper upper coastal in Louisiana, but. What, what are your thoughts about what we were just talking about? One day it's here. The next day you have no idea where they're going to be. They scatter, whereas they're more predictable in the spring and in the fall. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, in the, in the spring and the fall, the and, and first off, that that was a really good blog, and it was on the Speckled Truths page, which, mm-hmm. which I, I don't – have y'all had Chris Bush on the show? Have not. I'd be I, happy to do it. I would uh, – 10 out of 10 recommend yeah. but I, I think that that you know in the spring and the fall you've got you've got bait hatches that are coming out of marshes so you can really target your drains and when you find the fish they're they're schooled up and they're working together to eat a bunch of small bait and that same thing happens with our redfish just as much as the trout is when there's wads of small bait those fish will school up and and they work together and they you know they survive at that rate in the winter time that now now we're eating fin fish and it's usually you yeah. know Two, three, four, five-inch fin fish, and the fish—they're they, not as schooled up, and they're going to follow that bait. So, yeah, you can you can go and, and catch a bunch of them in one spot one day. But if that wind moves that bait a little bit, or the current, or anything moves that bait, then those fish are going to kind of go with that.
1: Well, the the current and the wind's moving what the bait fish are eating on. Mm-hmm. You know, they're eating the plankton, and there's not as much plankton this time of year. Uh, you know, that's why we have our water. That's yeah. why the water's is yeah. clearer. There's not as much. Algae and plankton in there, and that's what the mullet and shad and all that feed on. Mm-hmm. So when the wind blows, it blows that to the other side of the bay, right or it blows it down the shoreline. Uh, same thing with the currents. Currents move that that stuff in and out. So the bait fish is going to follow that, and the big fish are going to follow up, follow up with that. And with all the changing wind that we've had, that could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. They move around a lot.
2: So. I can't think of a better guy to ask this to. Pat and I were out fishing yesterday. We were drifting,
1: right? I'll make something up. <laughs> well,
2: I, I think it was plankton.
0: Just glad he's not asking me.
2: But, I,
1: this this yeah. sounds like
0: a good question. <laughs> so the,
2: the the bay is flat, smooth, and with our with our coasters on, we can see down in the water. You could not see this without polarized glasses on. But with our glasses on, it looked like we were coming up to a bunch of color changes. Except the color change was like a uh, like a somewhere between a tea and a coffee brown. There were streaks of brown everywhere. And in these streaks of brown were just thousands and thousands of mullet that were in these brown streaks out in the water. And I, I, Pat and I, I, I'd never seen that before. Maybe the water hadn't been smooth enough or the sun hadn't been right. Cause it, it was a little bit hard to see it, but it, 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 imagine, imagine- Like
0: you, tentacles almost? Like
2: no, flares? No, 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 no. This, this was, uh, imagine that, that you had some green seawater mm-hmm. and you dumped your coffee mug into it and in that cloud of brown oh, that it would gotcha, make in gotcha. it but these this was acres of it it would have green water mixed with with, with this brown mm-hmm. water and then everywhere there was brown water completely loaded with mullet and i i was telling pat i said this has to be some kind of plankton or something that mm-hmm. these mullet cuz the mullet were clearly just were the mullet
1: stirring the bottom
2: the mullet were on top with the, with the with the mm-hmm. we were in about 5 feet of water and the mullet were on top with it and i get i i personally never experienced a red tide and i thought i told pat i said when the true 21 2021 spirit we're seeing red tide come <laughs> Tied, all of a sudden
0: now we know yeah. <laughs> that's
2: all i can you know and the, the, the crazy yeah. we stopped and fished it of course because it was full of bait and we caught you know we got hit by a couple of trout we didn't catch anything but the mullet were just loving these brown streaks that were in the water
1: i don't know if maybe that's was them hiding, you know, in the clearer water everywhere else. I Maybe mean, they were just hiding in it. Brown water shouldn't be plankton and no, I mean, I've never seen that. Should Normally be be deeper green, green right. more yeah, greener yeah. greener colors.
2: It, it looked it, it uh, you and I would recognize this. It looked like whenever the fresh water was starting to mix in it kinda of had that tea right, color along, the, along with the it. Tannin but tannin we, were, we were dead water. in the middle of Matagorda Bay, I mean there shouldn't have been anything there like shouldn't that.
1: be any tannin out there. Uh, I don't know. That's that's an odd one. It, it,
2: I've never seen it. Pat and yeah. pat hadn't seen it. Neither one of them have ever seen well, it. Well, that's
1: saying something, right, right I, there. I mean, I can't. I mean, I'd have to look at it to see if I'd ever seen it before. But what you're describing, I can't recall. Yeah, it, it, it was wild.
0: But back on uh, on on the, on the scattered, uh, you know, whitefish scatter. I mean, you guys most t- touched on the bait, but that's why. And, and I do it more in the winter months than ever. When I see one good piece of bait that's scared and not just sort of a flip or whatever it's cause I mean
1: you gotta you gotta stop right Right. normally yes uh, when it's cold right uh, when it's been that's cold that's what I'm saying this but time of right year, now it's it's. Oh, so dang warm right now me. there's bait everywhere I cast a million times into something oh hey now, now now we're talking and then nothing now I'm seeing a lot of bait yeah. you know, and the bait's moving it's not just a flicker here and a flicker there mm-hmm. it's just a constant movement of bait yeah and one
2: thing that, that 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 started crossing my mind because like Scott said, we've had two two different um, areas of seventy degree water in one month. Mm-hmm. And whenever that happens, there's bait absolutely everywhere. So the way that I think about it is when that water's cold, there's still there's still bait scattered about, but mm-hmm. it's it's very inactive or it's often a deep hole, right? right. So when whenever the water is let's say sixty, sixty two and below, and i see one or two pieces of bait jump around then yeah i'm, I'm gonna target that that's
1: yeah that's what i'm talking right. about right there because like, that's, that's in a normal january yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure. normal but uh, go and, ahead
2: yeah and our customer yesterday bless him we we got in so many areas with so much fantastic bait and and, and couldn't catch a fish in those areas we waited, we couldn't catch a fish at all we had to go drift but towards the end of the day, he'd go, "Man, this bait looks too good. Let's fish somewhere else."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there as well. And I saw some like like you clearly flipping. I mean, like mm-hmm. moving away from something. And what,
2: what I like is when they come out of their water and their tail's still paddling. Yeah, you know. Yeah,
0: and and, and you're just like it. It gets frustrating. Let me ask you this, Scott. Uh, I'll start with you because I think that this is something that you know we talk about the behavior of trout. You know why trout scatter now. I, I've got a, a pretty good suspicion that redfish don't necessarily scatter the same because of their uh, environment that they mostly live in. Now, there's schools in bays. But for your purposes, you're pretty much chasing just trying to find
1: where they are next, right? They don't necessarily go yeah. in, into different places, correct? And redfish, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah, it can get cold. Back when we had the killing freezes mm-hmm. back in the early 80s, there were redfish that actually had freezer burn or uh, The burn marks on their backs from Mm -hmm. being Uh, frozen—they stayed shallow. Yeah, not the brightest thing in the world, I guess. But but the um, the thing I'm just looking for groups of redfish. I don't necessarily know what they're feeding on. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not like with trout where you get the mullet. You know, skipping what I do, I look for the mullet like I found the other day being up shallow yeah. that tells me the water temperature is warm enough if it's warm enough for the mullet to be moving around it's warm enough for the redfish to be up there feeding Right, and so that's what I'm always looking for uh, these fish the other day they were chasing little bitty grass shrimp uh, there was also a lot of little worm pockets
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the little the little domes where the worms were that seemed to be where most of the redfish were i would i kind of would like to have kept a couple and cut them open just to see yeah but i had a suspicion that they've got the little sand eels and a uh, little shrimp in them right now mm-hmm. uh, just based on what i was seeing the way they were acting the areas they were just slowly cruising open water areas and places where there was a lot of wormholes yeah and i say wormholes it's it's little eels the sand eels Mm -hmm. but then they were also going up against the bank and i could see shrimp flipping yeah know, little little bitty half inch three quarter inch long grass shrimp uh got a funny feeling that's what it was here a couple weeks ago it was crabs yeah Uh, i had a buddy that caught a whole bunch of trout and reds Mm -hmm. in a back lake during the last warm spell and uh he said, Man, you know to believe this. I cut them open and the trout were full of crabs. <laughs> he said, I've never seen that. They were little dime to quarter-sized crabs, mm-hmm. and their bellies were just absolutely stuffed full of them. And, of and, course, and it the, changes. Of course, the redfish were, too. Yeah. But to find trout like that is kind of interesting. Well,
0: let me ask you this, Caleb. Um, we always talk about, you know, the, the fishing for a trout during uh, winter months. When the sun comes up, maybe they go a little more shallow. We've talked about it. What's your experience with redfish in terms of the temperature during the course of the day, you know, as far as like their behavior, deeper or shallower?
2: I They'll, they'll move up a little bit, you know, and Scott and I, when we fish for redfish, we're fishing lakes where uh, the difference in depth is maybe six yeah, inches, it's marginal, you know, yeah. but what, what, what I will see them do is they will kind of get up on the flats a little bit more, but they just become more active and feed a little bit better. Once, once that sun starts warming them up. And that, that's the biggest difference. It's the trigger. Yeah, I mean, I've had several trips we were sightcasting in the past four or five weeks mm-hmm. where I could see the fish moving around early, but, you know, I told my customers, let the sun get up, let it warm up, and then about 10, 30, 11 is whenever the bite started happening, and then we would catch fish from, you know, 11 to 1 or 2, and then they would start kind of slacking back off. And in fact, the, the day that I saw you mm-hmm. was the same way. It was a slow morning until about 10, 30, and then from 10, 30 until 1... You know, it was almost everything we shot at. You know, bit because they were yeah, they, they, they were triggered.
1: Right. The best day I had, I didn't even leave the dock until one o'clock. We talked about that. I think you yeah. texted me. Yeah, it was, it was one p.m. when mm-hmm. we were leaving the dock. Yeah, and we had fish all around us from the time we got there.
0: So you're looking at not just the temperature, but also all the other signs, the movement of the tide, beginning or end yeah, of the tide. Or well, whatever.
1: it was just it was a cooler morning, and wow. I knew it was going to be bright sunny. And so I knew that the, with that bright sun, no wind, it was going to start warming the flats up. Mm-hmm. And once the flats got warmed up, then the fish were going to react to it. And they'd start feeding. Early in the morning, I doubt we'd have done anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, get your uh, get your weather apps out, get your tidal apps out, get your everything out that you guys, uh, I know you guys have. Uh, good good segment here that everybody's really uh, gaining traction because uh, a lot of people are going fishing. All right, This weekend. This usually posts on Wednesday. People maybe knock off a couple of days. What would Scott do? And we're going to add, what would Caleb do if you're going fishing this weekend? And I know that's a loaded question based on the entirety of this show that we just did. Uh, But hey, sometimes you're really angry and it's the only day you have off all month. You're a shift worker, whatever. What would Scott do? We'll start with
1: you. Yeah, just put that map up there on the wall and <laughs> throw a dart at it. That's where you start. <laughs> then you flip a coin as to whether you're east-west and shot <laughs> from there. Or you have an early breakfast or a late breakfast. Yeah. I mean, it's Friday's not looking terrible, mm-hmm. and it's you know, below 15 to 20 uh, throughout the day out of the south see that's the thing warming that gets up. me
0: is the where the winds are, are coming from yeah
1: that's after having north wind during the week mm-hmm. strong north there's one day it's 22 gusting to 35
0: I'm booked uh, that day
1: north. I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah I'm sure you are I am not yeah. um, but you know by the weekend Saturday is supposed to be blowing hard 23 gusting to 37 mm-hmm. in my place mm-hmm. uh, that's Saturday morning i don't care if that's the only day i could fish or not i ain't going out there and yeah. fighting that yeah. 30 gusting to 40 basically uh that's just not gonna be fun no um now sunday you yeah, know it's going to turn back out of the north so we're gonna have that little lighter north wind it's not gonna be a super strong front what they're saying but it's still gonna blow 15 plus um Man, well, what would I do? <laughs> well, Saturday, I am gonna stay in and I am gonna cook some. Gonna work on your pond, you're <laughs> work on the pond a little bit. Uh, I mean, then Sun. I think I'd wait until Sunday. You know, it's gonna be. It's That's gonna what clear I was gonna say. It's gonna be cloudy and overcast on Saturday. Uh, prefrontal. maybe if you are into the you know the trout fishing and waiting, mm-hmm. go do one of the a corky wade on a shoreline where you are not getting beat up so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday would be more of a a nicer day and I might wait till the afternoon on Sunday let let it warm up like we were just talking about it's supposed to be suns out moderate winds uh, those shallows are going to warm up pretty good I, I mean Sunday afternoon would be the time that I'd look for. Caleb,
0: that's what I was thinking along the same line. Saturday is a, is a honey do list around the, the the trailer where I have. If I do go, um, what are your thoughts? Sunday, mid coast, where where you're going to be? I know then
1: I, I'll tell you exactly what I am actually doing Saturday <laughs> okay. and Sunday. Okay.
0: What are you thinking? No go.
2: I'm thinking Saturday is the only day I would fish. Really? Well, because what I'm again, Scott's gonna. Fight with me here, but Saturdays a high the,
1: pressure, I know, sa- I know.
2: Saturdays when the when the barometer drops out. Yeah, so
1: that's why I said you trout guys, uh-huh. want to go trout fishing, red
2: that, fishing, red fishing, uh, red fishing. I might red fish at three a.m. on Friday morning. <laughs> Maybe. Um,
0: I'm going to
1: bet against that. Just for, for our our, pur-
0: our listeners' purposes, who are or haven't heard and gone back and listened to every. Uh, podcast the, the the high pressure overnight friday into saturday is over 30.05 mm-hmm. it drops by 7 a.m to 29.9 and then it drops some more in the evening to 29.8 explain that and why that would be your your go
2: so what 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 i'm looking at there is is that has a good chance of triggering a trout bite whenever that when that barometer is dropping out so and i'm looking at the winds you know and matagorda is forecasted 20 to 35 i would hope it'd be closer to 20 but what i would do is i would go get on a protected shoreline in that particular instance and uh, again the waiting has been a little bit less than terrible mm-hmm. but off of the shorelines a little ways that's where the fish have been at so that wind would actually give me enough behind my cast to get out to the a little bit deeper water and what I would do is I would find I would find some sort of structure that I could just I could just pound if there was if there was bait on it or something like that I would just I would just work that and and swing for the fences Sunday the weather the weather's more doable the only thing I don't like about it is the the frontal passage is at midnight so by the time you got out on the water then your 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 post frontal passage and the barometer is already climbing on me and uh,
0: again so it might be an afternoon bite Sunday
2: uh yeah or they might they might eat all day heck uh, who knows anymore (laughs) pat and i fished yesterday we had a drop in barometer all day it was beautiful and we caught i don't know maybe 12 fish total all day long (laughs) i mean uh, at this point you know go find some water with no bait in it that's really dirty and bad tidal movement and and, and try that.
0: <laughs> what are you really going to do, Scott, before we get out of here today?
1: Uh, the photography contest has started up. Oh. So uh, I saw I'm, your... I'm it, heading to the it, ranch. What
0: is that mechanism that you built? That, it's that, a that
1: floating uh, blind for... It looks like something out of World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> looks, Camille called it my landing craft. Yeah. But, yeah... It, a while back, I asked people if anybody had one of those old mm-hmm. uh, life rafts, yeah, old the orange big r-
0: rectangle yeah. ones. Yeah.
1: And I got a couple of them. And now I've rigged it up, rigged one of them up to uh, be my floating blind, so
0: you can be laying on that sucker so I all can, day.
1: I can. I'm just gonna walk, put my waders on, and just walk inside of it, and then I can I set the camera up. But I got to go to the ranch this weekend because they are doing helicopter captures of deer. Oh, nice. With the nets, with the net gun and all that. Oh. They're going to fly around. They've got to catch 60-something does to transport to other ranches. Oh, those poor does are going to be uh, scared. So, so they're going to fly the helicopters around <laughs> and, and fire the net gun out of the helicopter. Yeah. And I'm going to run around in a Jeep and chase them around and try to get pictures of the net mm-hmm. attack, you know, coming yeah. down onto some deer. And see if we can't get some cool shots out of it. I don't know. I don't know if it'll work or not. They're probably going to chase them off. So oh, they're going far. They'll be running right at you, yeah. or they're going to run across the <laughs> He's pasture. Be and like, <laughs> oh no, they're coming at me. They'll <laughs> be across the pasture <laughs> so far, I can't get any yeah. pictures of them. Well, they're going to have an well. attitude. What I'm assuming is going to happen.
0: Captain Caleb TV. You got that? What we just talked about coming up. What else happening?
2: Uh, I have customers Wednesday. And Friday, I believe, and then I'm going to go to that Galveston uh, Expo. Oh, glad you mentioned that. Uh, well, I think it's Friday night and Saturday. I'm, I'm going to go to that. I'll, I'll be there uh, Saturday morning until probably about one or two, and then I've got to get back to Matagorda for Sunday. But... Glad
0: you mentioned that. Uh, a lot of our friends are going to be there. Uh, knock and tail, my, my guy Mike. Uh, that knock and tail lure that, that that is really really good. It's different from uh, a lot of other things. Has the little knocker in the tail. He'll be there. Tim and Jason will be there. It's indoor outdoor, mm-hmm. so that should be you know relatively uh, as, as much as as safe as you can get uh, with social distancing. So I'm glad you mentioned that's this Friday, Saturday, and I believe Sunday. But I believe you're right. Uh, but but it starts at nine on the weekend and and five p.m. I believe uh, on Friday. So go out and see our friends. Um, subscribe to Caleb's uh, Captain Caleb TV. Uh, you got to buy some gear. Uh, we, we're still selling that. It's it's gas money for Scott, and
1: we we you know we're all here for Scott. You know it, it's Scott's <laughs> world. We're all just living in it. Um, we still got some stuff. We got hats. I know we got a lot of hats. Uh, we were out of the that royal blue shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've still got some of the mint colored shirts in some sizes. Uh, stickers. People put them on their on their boats. Uh, Camille was just talking to me the other day before she hooked them out of town again and um, she said I need to start looking at shirt colors to do the next order. So let's do it. We're going to probably put a post up here before too long on the Facebook page mm-hmm. and do a little vote and see what
0: everybody wants on colors. Oh, perfect. And and Camille can, she's great at that. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll turn it over eat, to her. She you, doesn't have
1: enough to do. You can choose what so colors. She got another job, by the way. Oh, great. She added another job to her I'm resume. Finally glad one of y'all's working. All right.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm John Lopez. That is Captain Scott Knoll, Captain Caleb McCumber. Let's see you again next week, Caleb. Um, and this is the Bite Me podcast. Subscribe. Enjoy it. Catch a lot of fish. Don't mean to discourage you with our show today. Yeah, Some <laughs> kind better. of a narrow, is I was
2: like, <laughs> what Overall? the hell are y'all doing? Don't go fishing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: but uh, I promise you, next week's show will be more promising. And uh, and you never know. It only takes one, is what I always say when I'm on the boat. And that's, when I always, that's how the name of this show came about. I'm like, Bite Me! It just takes one <laughs> when you're having a rough day. Seriously, the name of this show... Came about because of some of the rough days I've had in the past like we've been having, and I always say, bite me! So we'll talk to you next week, and hopefully uh, we'll have uh, some better things to talk about. Catch them up. We'll see you then.